Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready today, we'll be in the book of Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 38. I simply entitled this, Are You Still Seeking His Son, Jesus? Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. So one thing we don't know is we don't know how long uh, Simeon was waiting. Um, it's not given to us. So it, you know, whether it was a year or five years, um, he was going to wait. And we find out in verse 27 a little bit more information here. It says, so he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought him uh, in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. So we know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and that he was told that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he knows whether it's, we don't know, again, one year, two year, three years, he's being led by the Spirit, in tune with the Spirit, and waiting on the Spirit. And, and so I, that's a question that we have to ask ourselves is, would you wait a year on the Lord? Now, I know every one of you, the obvious answer is yes, right? You're going to answer that yes every time. Would you wait five years, ten years on the Lord? Simeon was waiting on the Lord. He knew that he was not going to see death. And in the way that you can receive this piece of Scripture in the context of it is remember when Paul, the apostle, was told that he, would be, he was going to Rome, right? So even as he's shipped, shipwrecked and even as he's bitten by a viper a snake he he's like i'm not dying i'm going to rome uh, jesus told me i'm going to rome i'm going to rome he knew that and he believed that and he knew that that that's that was his final destination that's where he was going to end up and so again this is the belief that that simeon has because it was given unto him by the holy spirit that he wouldn't see death until he saw the lord's christ and so when he comes into the temple this day, you have to understand, how many times did he come into the temple? Like for me, I think about just planning the church and the process that we went through in that, and it, it was some five years of, of talking about it. Uh, eventually, about year three, we started really getting intently praying about it, um, and then, you know, we went, I started doing about, about a year and a half out, I started doing classes with Pastor Joe on church planning. And, and you know, this is what I, you know, what the Lord had placed on my heart, the Holy Spirit had placed on my heart to do, 
was to go and, and plant a church. I didn't know where, right? Didn't know where, but I knew this was something that, that I was called to do. And I was like, okay, this is, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I've never done this, but I'm trusting in you. And I, and I'm, I want to be in tune with the Spirit and be obedient to the Lord and what He's given me. And so we went through this process. And we spent about a year praying over where we were going to end up planting the church. And, and I'll be honest with you, there were times I had no answer, and it was frustrating. And it's so easy to just walk away. Then I got sick, and I was diagnosed with an illness called porphyria, and I was told that you're going to have times when you're going to have to have transfusions of blood, and you could be out for three to 12, you know, three to uh, three weeks, up to three weeks of, of recovery. And I kept thinking to myself, how am I supposed to lead a church if I have this illness? And I'll be honest, I, it froze me in my tracks. It froze me in my tracks. And, and so when I read this verse with Simeon and he's waiting intently, eagerly, I can tell you when faith, it, when you're hit with fear, fear of the world, fear of illness, death, those things happen, it, it it's, makes you take a step back. It's a natural thing that happens in our life. And I just remember thinking, I'll never be able to plant a church. I'm just going to be a, I'll just be an assistant pastor the rest of my time, and that's it. And I had set this thing aside, and that's the sad thing, because I was being disobedient to God. And I remember sitting in a teaching and one of the scriptures that was shared, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, was Isaiah 41.10. One of my favorite verses, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And after hearing that scripture, I had to repent because I knew I had been disobedient to God. And the calling that God had put on my heart I, I, I wasn't eagerly seeking it anymore. And, and I repented. And within a couple of months later, we were off to divine. And I can tell you, the door opened. It, everything just, it, it's unbelievable how God moved. But it would have been so easy to stop waiting and not be led by the Spirit. And, and so be obedient to what the Spirit has given you. If He's telling you to step out and do this thing, then you need to be obedient and do that. God's called you to do that. Please do that. So He came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought, him, uh, brought in the child Jesus to do for Him according to the custom of the law. And so the Holy Spirit leads him in, and, and He comes in at the perfect timing. That's all God, right? It's all God. And, and this is, again, are we going to be obedient to the leading of the Spirit? Do you understand, like, a lot of times we don't want to do that? Like, God has put on your heart to go speak to somebody? Or God has said, hey, you know, like, through Scripture or through the Holy Spirit, like, you need to go speak and bring a meal to this person, and you won't do it. And yet, the Holy Spirit has given that for you to do. We need to take those steps of faith and do it. When God asks you to pray for a total stranger, do it. If the Holy Spirit's leading you, do it. The way that you have that, that governing guidance of the Holy Spirit is you have to have a gospel-centered life, meaning that you are, you are centered on the Word of God. You 
filter everything through the Word of God and and you have the Helper. You're dependent on the Helper. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper that He may abide with you forever. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us. Like you say, I don't even know what to say. John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. In Psalm 143.10, it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprighteousness. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be a devout, just, in tune with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit like Simeon was. The way we do that is simply three things. Is we need to... Uh, maintain our walk with with God. And, and when we do that, we're in tune with the Spirit. Why do we, we tell you about being in the presence of God? That's one thing that we ask you to do. And by being in His, in his presence, it's understanding that we're always in the presence. Of, like, God's presence is always around us. You know, He's all-knowing. He's, he, he stands outside of time. But it's understanding like God wants us to enter into His presence. He wants us to want to be in His Word. He wants us to want to pray. He wants us to have fellowship with other believers, to, to maybe have a Bible study over at somebody's house. It's, it's by us acknowledging God's presence in our life. We, we, we are completely dependent absolutely on, on His grace. We can do nothing without God. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me, and I am him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You can do nothing. It, it, it is a reminder for us to, to remember that, that we need to be in the presence of God and understand we live under the grace of God, and you have grace for the journey. Meaning that through that grace, if you fumble or you stumble or you fall, you can repent and turn back to Christ and keep moving. And, and I pray that you understand that. Being in His presence is one way that we're in tune with the Holy Spirit. Be in His presence. He wants you to be with Him. The way that Mary was at His feet. Remember, Martha was busy. But Mary was doing the good thing, which was to be at the feet of Jesus. Number two, believe in God's promises. And look past your own perspective. We spend too much time trying to do our will, thinking that's what God wants. We need to be dependent on the Word of God and understanding the will of God. And part of that is spending time with God and in His Word. It tells us simply in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. I love this verse because I completely understood this when I first came to faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Very simple scripture because when we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, you've got to stop leaning on your own understanding. To be in tune with the Spirit, to be walking with the Spirit of, uh, of the Holy Spirit is, means that you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you stop trying to do your will. 
39 years I did my will, and it was a path of absolute destruction. That was my flesh. For 39 years I did that, and then I came to know Christ, and I'm like, I have been forgiven of my sins. I am justified, and, and now I'm going through sanctification. One of the things I have to remind myself is stop leaning on your own understanding. Do the will of God and trust that for your life. We, we spend too much time in the flesh. John chapter 6, verse 63 says, The Spirit gives life and the flesh profits nothing. Your flesh and your ideas profit nothing. Be dependent on the will of God. If you want peace for your life, that's what Romans chapter 8, verse 6 is. It's life and peace. We need to be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. The last thing that we see is to be in tune with the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, is we need to rely on the power of God and His sufficiency for our life. Will you do that? Will you stop trying and start dying and begin to rely on God? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it's like we no longer live for our own life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have the treasures and earthen vessels that the excellence of his power may be of God and not of us. He's like these broken vessels. God's keeping them together. And through that, he is glorified and his power is, is, is demonstrated. And, and so we need to remember, like for us to be totally dependent on the power of God and his like, you know, die to self and, and rely on God. Die to self and rely on God and stop being dependent on the flesh. Be dependent on the Spirit. We see that in verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I go, and I, again, he's like, hey, according to your word, Lord, for my eyes have seen your salvation beautiful piece of scripture there he blesses them and and he holds the messiah jesus and one of the things that he says is very important uh as he says which you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the gentiles and the glory of your people israel and joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, then Simeon blessed them. Now, one of the things that we see, and we'll go over this real quickly, is, is that we see that the light was to bring revelation to who? The Gentiles. It wasn't just to, it wasn't just to, um, just to the nation of Israel. It was for the Gentiles too. You know, I listened to a rabbi and, and, let me tell you something, doctor, whatever, master's degree, many of things. But when they ask him about the Messiah, he believes that the Messiah has never come. I mean, this guy knows Hebrew, knows the Torah, but he believes that, that the Lord has never sent the Messiah, that when the Messiah comes, he will be a political leader. And that it's only for the nation of Israel and nobody else. And yet we read here in Scripture, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. 
So it's a light to bring revelation of the salvation that his eyes have seen, right? So it is for all peoples. All. And and I kept thinking to myself, and, and my reading today was in Second Chronicles chapter 9, and it talked about, you know, the, the Sheba, the queen, uh, that appears and, and comes and speaks to Solomon, and yet when she leaves... She's blessing God. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on your throne as the Lord your God because your God loved Israel and would establish them forever and he has made you a king that you may execute justice and righteousness. And yet she walks away believing in the Lord God. Like she had to see it for herself and she believes now in the Lord God and there it is, a Gentile, a pagan, Believing in God. It was always there. It was always there, but we missed it. Right? Then we see, uh, um, you know, it, the, the next piece of the scripture says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this is the child destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which was spoken against. Yes, the sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon is, is, is telling Mary, look, there, you're going to suffer great grief, great loss. Your son is going to be rejected. And there will be a sword that will pierce your son, and yet it will truly pierce your soul as well. But he blesses them. And last, we see the widow seeking and serving God in verses 36 to 38. We'll go through this pretty quick. Uh, now there was a, one Anna, a prophetess, and there were prophetess throughout the Bible. You can see them in, um, in the Old Testament. The daughter for now uh, of the tribe of Asher, she was a great age and, and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So she is of great age. She, um, has, she is a widow, we find out, right? And one of the things that we know is that a prophetess is a woman who, uh, from future events or things hidden from others or at times revealed to a prophetess, either through inspiration by dreams and visions, right? So that stuff does happen. And, and that's covered in the Old Testament as well. But she is 84 years old, a widow. She became a young widow, and she has dedicated her time and her talent and her treasure to serve God. To serve God. She never remarries. And it says this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And so she was devoted to serving God. And one of the things that says it was through fastings and prayers night and day. So she served at the temple and helped wherever she could, but she also prayed and, and fasted. And she had been doing this for a great part of her life. And that's one of the things I love by Anna. So Simeon is led by the Spirit, but Anna is, is just loving God. And Anna's just at the right place at the right time. And that's the stories when you look at it. It's important to understand that, that Luke 
is talking about this one story that these were the only two that caught this besides Joseph and Mary about the Messiah. Because she was dedicated to doing the work of the Lord. She was a servant of God. She served God. And, and we have, unfortunately, we've had um, two widows this year. And we have seen just them serving God still. And I, it, you know, for a man of God, it, it blows me away uh, every time I see it because at the end of the day, um, then they, they lost their husbands this year. We have another widow that serves. We have three total in the church and 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 to see them all three serving God with their time, their talent and their treasure, it is a thing of beauty. It is something that's very you it's encouraging for other believers. You know, they they've gone through this great pain and yet God is using them in a mighty way. And we see that through Anna, she is being used by God. Right? And and she is is at this moment going to see Simeon being led by the Spirit, and she's going to see the Messiah. She's going to see the Messiah, and she's at the right place at the right time. And that's the question you have to ask, is like, are you actually seeking God daily? Are you seeking the Son, Jesus? See, a lot of people, and, and I shared this with the church today, is, is a lot of people have uh, left the church. Uh, 6% of the church is gone because of COVID. 6% is equal to about 15 million people. 15 million people were not seeking Christ. That's just from people who used to attend church. We're not seeking Christ on Christmas. And there's many, many more others. Many more. And so think about that. What you think about the stores on the on December twenty fourth, they were already pulling the toast out at H E B. December twenty sixth, they had already had the exercise equipment and, and Valentine's gifts out. So the world stopped seeking God. The world stopped seeking Jesus. But have you stopped seeking Jesus? Because Anna comes into the temple every day to serve. By prayer and fasting, and she's seeking, she's just being dependent on God and, and doing what God has called her to do. Prayer and fasting, it's, it's like a prayer and fasting simply is this, is, is fasting is something that's between, is intimate between you and God. A lot of times when we talk to people about fasting, they'll tell you, I'm fasting. When in reality, all they're trying to do is lose weight. It's between you and God. It's something intimate that you do with God. It can be done as a couple. It can be done as an individual. But I think this is one of the areas in the church that we've neglected is fasting. We're seeking God. We're, we're fasting and we're waiting to hear from God on this thing. To show up and do this thing. But it's also prayers. Prayers. Are we going to be prayerful and and, and seeking God? Are we going to be someone who is praying and fasting night and day? In verse 38, And coming in the instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. 
So this is the picture that we get. We get the picture of Anna and Simeon. And this is important for you to get, and I hope that you get this. These were two individuals, uh, Simeon being devout, being just, and, and eagerly seeking Jesus every day. And Anna, who has served God for quite a long time with her time, talent, and treasure, and yet she was praying and fasting and seeking just being there to serve and yet she did not miss the Messiah and what happens is she actually goes and starts telling people I spoke to, to of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem again these are their responses what is Simeon's response is to bless them and bless Mary and Joseph and honest responses, I'm telling everybody, I'm telling everybody, I've seen the Lord's Christ. He's here. What is she praying and fasting over? That's the question I had. Is like, is she praying and fasting over that, that it's been silent for 400 years, there's been no prophet. Is she asking for the Lord Jesus to show up? She's remembering the prophecy some 700 years before and and then here she is and she sees the messiah don't miss the messiah keep seeking him every day well that concludes today's broadcast of sun salt and light radio we hope that you enjoyed it if you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times you can do all of that at our website uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at spotify audible tune in radio Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light and you'll find it. 